0: you're all right you're all right i ain't afraid to let turn billy loose in the pulpit Uh, i know what i know what the man will preach so but uh anyway uh, good to be back here this morning and uh first samuel in chapter 30. Uh, book of the books of samuel i should say are uh, I've, I've heard them explained as being centered around Samuel, but the thing is, Samuel the prophet dies in 1 Samuel. There's a whole other book uh, called 2 Samuel that, that we have, so it's not as much centered around Samuel as it was Samuel's ministry. Uh, but, but the books of First and 2 Samuel are, are kind of centered around the prophet Samuel and the ministry that he had. Uh, uh, Samuel being a great man of God Samuel being a, uh, a miracle child if you will uh, uh, you can go back to First uh, Samuel chapters 1 and 2 to see that uh, we won't be preaching on that this morning however I will say I was uh, reading in First Samuel chapter 1 and that's what led me to chapter 30 where we're going to be preaching this morning uh, but uh, beginning about uh, chapter 27-28 in First Samuel, we see David. We're all familiar with David. David wasn't uh, quite the uh, uh, official, so to speak, king of Israel at this point. David was still running from Saul. Uh, still, had, uh, still had Saul on his trail. And uh last like beginning about chapter 27, 28, up to this time, uh, David, uh, of course, in fear for his life, Uh, uh, made some bad decisions without consulting the lord and uh, and those decisions uh, uh, led to led to some trouble in his life Uh, he actually david had joined or attempted to join himself to the philistines the philistines being the enemies of the people of god and here's david trying to join himself to them of course uh Philistine said, who is this Hebrew? Who, who is this guy? We don't want him around here. they sent him back home. So David and his little miscreant uh, band of fellows, uh, they had uh, formed a camp in Ziklag. And uh, when they got back to Ziklag, which from where they were marching from was about 75 or 80 miles, and they made that journey in about three days. Now, folks, they didn't have cars. They couldn't make it there in an hour and 20 minutes like we could nowadays. Uh, they, they had to journey on foot. They uh, could have had camels, and maybe a horse or two, something along those lines. But most of it would have been on foot. But they get back to Ziklag and uh, uh, they find it burning. They find it, uh, they find it in, in shambles, really. The Amalekites had come in while David and his fellows were off trying to join themselves to the enemies of God. Uh, they uh, the Amalekites had come in and not only burned down what little bit they had, but they had also taken their wives, they would taken their children, they had taken their possessions, taken their, uh, what few animals they might have had, they took everything that David and, and uh, his band of men had. And of course this, uh, this, this, uh, caused the, the uh, David's followers David's men to want to turn against him it actually says in the scripture in 1 Samuel 30 that they they thought to stone him they were they were willing to stone this man David their leader uh, because of, uh, of the affliction that had been brought upon them everything everything that they knew everything that they had, had been taken away from them but it says David strengthened himself in the Lord and uh, that's uh that's a uh, uh, very relevant part to this whole story. And folks, I'm leading up to where I'm going to be preaching from. Uh, but uh, it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. And he calls for uh, for uh, uh, Bathar to come and he brings the ephod. The ephod has the Urim and the thurim in and this, is the, this was one manner that they had to speak to God back in these times, now folks I can't explain to you exactly what it was the Bible doesn't tell us uh, some people say it was like throwing dice other people say it was it was turning these jewels and whichever way the light shone from this jewel whichever way the light shone from this jewel is what God's answer was folks I have no idea I didn't live back then and I don't know exactly how it was practiced but I do know, I do know from from scripture it was a way that they used to communicate to God and David used uh, used this and he inquired of the Lord he said should I pursue these Amalekites should I go after them and, and if I do will I overtake them and God answers him and says pursue pursue and you will overtake them and you will get everything back that you lost and then some so that's where we're going to pick up uh, 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 preaching from here in First uh, First Samuel chapter thirty, and that's uh, just a real quick rundown uh, uh, of what's what's led up to where we are. But we're going to start preaching and uh, ver- uh, starting at verse eleven in First Samuel chapter thirty. It says, "And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water." And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs, and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water, three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days ago I fell sick. We made made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will bring thee down to this company. And that's all I want to read for right now. That's as far as we're going to go. So, again... Uh, David had inquired of God Almighty if he should pursue after these Amalekites. Uh, They had had come in, burned down Ziklag, taken taken these men's wives, taken their children, and and they actually took both of David's wives. David had two wives at this time. They had taken his wives. So David had something personal at stake in this. Uh, But David had inquired of the Lord, should I pursue them? The Lord told him, Pursue and overtake these folks. Well, on their pursuit, at the, uh, after their journey had begun, David's men found this Egyptian man, Egyptian boy, and they brought him unto David. And what and what happens? David asked him. He said, "Who are you? And where did you come from? Why are you here?" David said that, that David uh, inquires this of uh, this Egyptian boy the, that his men had uh, had uh, run across there in the desert and he asked him where are you from and who are you and this man says I belong uh, I'm just an Egyptian I'm a slave I'm a servant to Amalekite and three days ago they left me by the side of the road because I felt sick the Bible doesn't say what kind of sick that he was doesn't say if he had a cold doesn't say if he had pneumonia doesn't say if he was a leper it doesn't say what it was it just says that he fell sick and his master left him by the side of the road and what did the men of David do in response to this they didn't say this man is of no use to us this man can do us no good folks that wasn't in the Hebrew law to do so it wasn't in the law that almighty God had set down for his own people he said that thou love the stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And these Hebrew men, these bunch of miscreants, these misfits that David was hanging out with knew enough about the law of God to know how to treat this Egyptian boy that they had run across in the desert, whether they liked him or not, whether they wanted to or not, they knew enough about the law of God to know how to treat this boy. Yes. So, he says... The Bible says they gave him some food. It says they gave him a piece of a cake of figs. They gave him a couple of clusters of raisins. They made him to drink water. They took care of this boy. They took care of this Egyptian. And folks, he had admitted to them. He said, hey, we invaded the land of the cherubites. We invaded the land of Judah. And we burned Ziklag with fire. This was one of the very people that had burned the town that David and his men had come Back to this man was in the was in the group of people that had taken off with David's wives and these other men's wives and their children. This man partook in that. They could have killed him right there on the side of the road, out of vengeance, and left him laying there for the vultures to take care of. But they, being the people of God, knew how to take care of the stranger. Now that's the lesson for the Christian folks to know. That's the part for the, for us Christians to pay attention to. They knew how to take care of the stranger. As I've already said, God had given them commandment. In the book of Deuteronomy, He said, you will love, your, uh, you will love the stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. In other words, you should be able to sympathize with the stranger. Hey, these Israelites, not David, but the Israelites, his ancestors, they had been stuck in Egypt for 400 years. They were strangers in that land. They were never meant to stay there. Never meant to abide there. But God put them there for His own reason. God put them there. And when He brought them up out of that land of Egypt, it wasn't for their own glory. wasn't for their own honor. It was to glorify God. God said Himself that they may know that I am the Lord. That is why God did what He did. That is why God brought the Israelites that not only they, but the surrounding nations would know who the Lord God Jehovah was. Here they find this Egyptian boy. And that's another thing they could have done. David and his men, they could have said, this guy's an Egyptian. This is... The same race of people. These are the same people that afflicted our people for 400 years down there in Egypt. They're the ones that whipped. They're the ones that beat. They're the ones that were the slave masters. The taskmasters, as the Scripture puts it in the uh, over in the book of Exodus. These are the, This is one of those same people. But folks, they didn't do that. This man had already been forsaken. He'd already been forsaken by his own master, folks. Let me tell you, before God saved our souls, before God, God reached down in that pit of sin and that pit of wickedness and pulled us up out of that mire and cleaned us off and established our goings after he set our feet upon a solid rock. Before that ever happened, we had a different master. Our master was Satan. Our master was evil. Our master was sin. The Bible says and Paul confirms it in the New Testament, we will either be slaves to sin or we will be slaves unto God. Jesus said himself that man cannot serve God and serve Mammon. He will serve one and he will hate the other. Amen. This poor Egyptian boy, he have been forsaken by his master. Oh, such is how Satan works. That's how the devils of this world work. And it's been that way since the garden. When the serpent came into the garden and he beguiled Eve and he talked her into eating of that fruit that she saw. It was pleasant to her eyes. It was pleasant to the touch I'm sure. It was pleasant to every sense of her being. But once he convinced her of what to do, once he convinced her to rebel against God and she did, it. you don't read another word from that serpent in that scripture. You don't need to read another phrase from him to Adam to Eve or his work there was done. And he could forsake her at that point. Folks, that's the way the devil works. He might use you out there in the world. Might use you to sow discord, to do this or do that. But once he's done with you, he'll leave you at the side of the road to let the wild beast, the vulture of the world have their way with you. And that's just where God finds us. God finds us out there It reminds me of Ezekiel 16. One of my favorite scriptures there in the Old Testament. God, of course, speaking to Israel, speaking to the Jewish people, but He says, When I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, He was walking down the road, and He looked over in a field, and it was just like an unwanted baby was cast over there in that field that someone didn't want. Something may have been wrong with it. They just didn't want it around though. And God says, When I saw thee polluted in thy own blood. I picked you up. I cleaned you up. I clothed you. I fed you. And I said, live. I said, live. That was God's word to his people. And when we get saved and receive salvation, that's God's word to his people. Now he wants us to live. He wants to take care of us, nurture us, guide us in all things and all applications of our life. And God is is our master? Amen. This man says. David said, "What can you tell me? Can you take me to these people? Can you help us get there?" Now, listen. This is an Egyptian boy here. An Egyptian. They polytheistic. Believed in God upon God upon God. They had gods for everything. They had a god of the sun. They had a God of the morning sun, of the midday sun, of the evening sun. They had a God of the moon, a God of the wind, a God of the sand, a God of the sea, a God of this, and a God of that. They had a God for every crop that they had. And this this is the Egyptians that I'm describing to you. This is an Egyptian boy that we're talking about here in this scripture. And what does he tell David? He says, swear unto me by God. This man had some kind of idea of the God of David. He had some idea of the God of the Jews. He wasn't talking about one of his own gods. He was talking about Jehovah God. to so David, he said, Swear unto me by God that you will not deliver me back to my master. Hey, folks, when God walked by me and picked me up out of that sin. And he put me up on the path that he wanted me on. Save my soul. I didn't have to plead to him. Don't give me back to Satan. Don't give me back to the demons, don't put me back in the wickedness and in the sin that you saved me from. My God had no intentions of ever doing so. My God takes care of me, He continues to feed me, to water me, and do good things for this boy. Whether I recognize him or not, my God takes care of me. Amen. But this boy here, he said, swearing to me, swearing to me by God, that you'll not deliver me back to my master. Folks, this man's experience with man, with men, was obviously a bad one. He didn't want to go back to his master. When we get saved, when we get saved, we don't want to go back. I got no desire to go back to what I was. I got no desire to go back to my sin go back to my wickedness. Go back to that blackness? I don't want to do those things. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do that. Not only to myself, but I don't want to do it to God. God's the one that found me in the shape I was in. God's the one that found me and nurtured me, fed me, watered me, took care of me, and saved my soul. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to go back to that, folks? It reminds me so much of what I've seen. And you've seen over the years, people will come in and supposedly get saved. And they'll stay with the church for a month, maybe two months, maybe three months. And they're right back in the world going back to the bars, doing what they were doing to begin with. That person never received a thing from God. Because when we get it from God when we know it's God and we know He saves us, folks, They ain't no going back. You will not want to go back to that world because Holy Ghost will show you, hey, this is what I saved you from and this is where you were headed. But praise God, I'm headed to a different land now. I'm headed to Canaan, to glory, to heaven. And there ain't nothing on this earth going to stop me from going there. Don't take my word. Read the last couple of verses of Romans 8 if you don't believe me. <coughs> nothing. Nothing. No principalities. No evil. No wickedness. No man. Nothing. Nothing is stopping me. Nothing is stopping me. This man here though, this Egyptian boy that David's men found, he had to plead. He said, Swear to me by God that you will not deliver me back into the hands of my Master. He'd had a bad experience. Folks, there's a a whole, well, I shouldn't say a whole book, it's one chapter long, over in the New Testament, called Philemon. Paul wrote this letter to Philemon over what? This other man named Onesimus. He had escaped Philemon, stolen some of his stuff and took off. It it was his slave. It was his own servant and he had escaped Philemon. But what did Paul do? Paul didn't write Philemon and say, hey, you need to do this and do that. He recommended to Philemon. He said, hey, this man's a brother in Christ. He showed up to me. He said, he's begotten by the word and begotten by me. Not that Paul could save him, but Paul preached to this man, Onesimus, when he came and he preached to him, the man got saved and he wrote to Baal He said, This man is now a brother in Christ. You need to release him to me because he's been profitable to me. Following on the set, he said, Hey, at one time, this man was not profitable to you or me or anyone, but now he is profitable not only to Paul, not only. but to God and for the cause of the Gospel. When God saves our souls, He expects us to be profitable to Him. It's just like Roger told in Sunday school this morning. If we're not bearing fruit, something's wrong and God will fix whatever it is. If we ain't bearing fruit, something's wrong. Something's horribly wrong. Just like David. Like I said, beginning a couple of chapters before this, you see David, you see David slipping just a little bit. Just a little bit. I ain't gonna preach those whole two or three chapters there. But you see slip you see David slipping. Folks, he was slipping just like Saul did. He was sliding just like Saul did. Saul, the Spirit of God had done departed from Saul at that point. The spirit the spirit done the fire and what did Saul do instead of seeking out God, instead of saying, Where are you at, God? Hey, I need that touch again. what did Saul do? He goes and consults the dark arts. He goes and consults the witchcraft. He goes places that he knew better than to go, but he went and Anyway, you see David just a couple of chapters before here beginning to slide just a little bit but I tell you now if you are a true child of God God will chastise you with whatever he has available whether that's a bunch of Egyptians whether that's Amalekites whatever it is God will get your attention Amen. just like he did David here and boy if he got didn't get it he got it good David had his own men ready to stone him. Oh, yeah. Had his own men ready to kill him. These men that had fought with him. These men that had been right by his side. These men that had gone with him to the, to the land of the Philistines when he was trying to join himself up with them. They had followed David everywhere. These same men were ready to stone their leader. And David said, bring me the ephod. Bring me a way to get to God. Bring me something where I can commune with the Master, and he did. The, and the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. I wonder, I really wonder how much different the Scriptures would read if Saul had just strengthened himself in the Lord instead of going, instead of continuing down that slippery slope that he was on. Folks, he never stopped. Once he got started on it, it never stopped. But David being God's man, David being a man after God's own heart, hey, that didn't just apply to him in one part of his life. David was constantly in search of God. David was constantly looking to to God, I know He sinned with Bathsheba. I know that was a horrible sin, but David was a man after God's own heart, and he is the only one in Scripture that is described like that. Amen. So give us a heart like that, Lord. Give us a heart where we want to be after Yours. I ain't saying, I ain't saying to fashion yourself after David or Moses or anyone else. Fashion yourself after Jesus Christ. Fashion, fashion, fashion yourself after him, seek God like he did, hey Jesus Christ sought the father while he was here on this earth, yes I know he was the son of God, And yes I know he was all powerful, he was all God here, he's all God there he was all God in his death as well I know all this, but he still sought comfort, he still sought strength, he still sought guidance, he still sought help from above, folks if Jesus Christ needed the do that you better believe that we as children of God need to as well this, this Egyptian it says and David said to him canst thou bring me down to this company and he said swearing to me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will bring thee down to this company he said don't kill me don't deliver me into the master folks <clears throat> when God saves us he doesn't save us to kill us no. he doesn't save us to leave us at the side of the road and that's where they found this old boy at. Oh, yeah. you know, they found him out in basically the wilderness out in the desert being left to die but why? Because he was no longer of use to that master. But there was another one came along and he picked him up and he said, I've got use for this one. I can put him I can put him to use. I can use him for something or another. Now, folks, in the scripture here, it says that this Egyptian led them directly to the camp of the Amalekites. And it says that David went in and he slew them all day long. He went in and he killed them in the morning, killed him in the evening. There was nothing left. And it said that he gained everything that he had. But not only that, he had the end of the cat's skull. He had his wives. All the men and their children, they gained everything back that they lost. And then some. Now listen, God saves us. He don't send us in somewhere to kill people. No. listen this was the Old Testament this was a completely different people in a completely different time for a completely different purpose per se the whole purpose was to glorify God as a whole but folks in the Old Testament versus the New Testament they some things that are just a little bit different here but the point of the matter is that this man was left by an evil master by the side of the road because he could do the master no good anymore another master came along. He said, I've got use for this. I've got use for this one that was sick. He picked them up, strengthened him with food and with water and established his goings just like Almighty God did with us. So in other words, we're we're quite the picture of this Egyptian. We are quite the picture of this young man. Folks, that Egyptian, he had no choice. He had no choice. He was he was in desperate need. Folks, before I was saved, I was in desperate need. And yeah. didn't even realize it really. I didn't realize how depraved I was. I didn't realize how desperate I was. I didn't realize how lost I was. And chances are, you didn't know it either. It took a God to show us how desperate we were. But once He revealed Himself to us, once He showed us who He was and what He could do, hey, we had no choice in the matter but to accept Him, but to accept Jesus Christ. We had no choice but to do that. It was either that or die. And unfortunately, some people choose to die. Unfortunately, some people choose to stay there at the side of the road. Choose to stay out in the desert. Choose to stay out there in the world. That's slowly killing them. Some folks choose to do that. The Folks, that's the only options that we are given. You either let the Lord keep you or you let the Lord forsake you. That's it. And hey, there's a line to be drawn there. There's a line where God will not deal with the heart anymore. I don't know where that line is, specifically, but I do know that it's there. Otherwise, Judas Iscariot would be in heaven right now. I'm convinced. Otherwise, I believe I might see Saul there of the Old Testament. Otherwise, I believe a whole lot of things. Folks, there's a line. There's a line somewhere that God will draw and He'll say, I can't do anymore. I won't do anymore. Not that He can't, but He won't do anymore, folks. He's done not give the only begotten Son. He doesn't give the greatest crown jewel of heaven. He done not give the best that there was for us. He can do no more than that. And He will do no more than that. If Jesus Christ will never be crucified again. He's done it once. He's done it for all. For your sin, for my sin, for the sins of David, for the sins of this Egyptian, and for the sins of everyone that has been ever since Jesus Christ died for that. Amen. And God leaves it in our lap. What are we going to do? He says, swear to me by God, you won't kill me. Folks, God, my God's not a, de- not a God of death. Amen. He is not a God of death. Whosoever will in turn take of the water of what? Life. Uh, yeah. He's telling that we might have what? Life. And have it more abundantly. Amen. Yeah. Folks, my God's about life. He's not about death. He's not about killing folks off. Now listen to me. I know I've preached before and I'll stick by when Moses come to the end of his life and he climbed up in that mountain and God let him look out over the promised land and he died there being 120 years old and his eyes weren't dim nor was his natural strength abated. I know when I preach and I'll stick by that he died because God said that he would die and that was the only reason that he died. But folks that does not mean that God is necessarily in the killing business. My God came to die and save lost souls. But now, when people choose and choose wrongly, like Saul, a little bit earlier in this book, when they choose wrongly, God will let them die. And He'll let them die in that state. He'll let them die in that circumstance. And He'll let them go right on into hell. People say, and churches are full of them now. And it's, and it's coming out of the pulpits as well. Say, my God won't send nobody to hell. Right. My God won't let nobody walk into hell. That's contrary to what the Scriptures say. That is contrary to what my Bible says. That's contrary to what most Bibles that I know of say no matter what version that you're reading. But folks, they're absolutely right in saying He won't necessarily send someone to hell. That person will choose to go to hell. I preached it last week that salvation is of the Lord, but damnation is completely of man. It is completely man's choice whether he is damn or whether he is saved. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. So David brings this young man with him. Now listen, those Amalekites, people say, maybe he was dying anyway. Maybe there really was no hope for him and some miracle happened. Folks, this was divine providence here that they found this Egyptian boy out there in the desert. It was divine providence that they done that to begin with. Those Amalekites, they were cruel, they were wicked, they were nasty. They didn't, like I said, they done took, taken everything in Ziklag and burned it to the ground with fire. Folks, they were a cruel people. They could have taken this young man that, that was sick and whatever need that he had. They could have thrown him up on a camel. They could have thrown him up on anything else they were using. Don't tell me that they didn't have it. You read on just a couple more verses. You'll see that they had it because David acquired all of their herds, all of their animals. They had a way to do this but they said i have no use for you stay out here and die but this man david and his men said there is use come with us and live that's what my god does he says, live live you've been dead in your trespasses dead in your sins and i say unto you now live that's my god that's what he does for us folks that's mercy it's mercy that David chose. And as I said, God has done commanded those second generation Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy. You'll love the stranger because you are a stranger yourself. Mm-hmm. Folks, we got no right to look down on the world, look down on lost people. I don't care what sins they committed. Hey, there's a whole slew of stuff on social media right now about all this child trafficking, all this pornography, and pedophilia, and all these things. Folks, those are strangers. They're strangers to us. Hey, they. They're strangers to the people of God because they're not like us. Hey, we shouldn't be surprised when we read those things. I'm not saying they shouldn't disgust us as human beings or as Christians for that matter, but we shouldn't be surprised because heathens will do what heathens will do. Pagans will act like pagans. If that means child sacrifice, if that means sex trafficking, hey, heathens will do what they will do. It's been their way since the dawn of time and it will continue to be their way they're strangers and we're to love strangers because we were at one time strangers in a strange land. Mm -hmm. We were strangers in Egypt just like the Jews were. Egypt being the world. Folks it's hard I ain't going to sit here and tell you that it's not. It's hard not to look out and, and see some of those stories and read some of those stories and read some of the filth that is out there and love those people. It's hard. It's hard, but we're to pray for them. We're to help them if they come across our path. We're to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's the only hope that they have is the death, the burial, the resurrection of a man named Jesus Christ. That's all the hope that we had when we were strangers out there in the world. And folks, that's all the hope that these people had while they're strangers out there in the world. They have hope in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. So we need to pray for. We got example on top of example on top of example in scripture of mercy, folks. (coughs) You got this man. You read about a couple of the different gospels. Man named Bartimaeus. Lion man. Jesus had mercy on him. Had compassion on them. The man had just been sitting there by the side of the road, like this Egyptian was. He was just out there. Hey, the man couldn't see, but he heard a commotion that was coming down the way. He heard somebody coming down the way, heard a big crowd of people, asked, Who is this that's coming? They said, This is Jesus. What did he say? He said, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah. And Jesus had mercy. Oh, yeah. He had compassion. Just like David and his men did here. They showed compassion to this man. There's another woman over in Luke chapter 7. Hey, she comes, she comes in the midst of a bunch of people. There was a man named Simon that was a Pharisee. He invited Jesus to come in and he sit and meet with them. Jesus went in to eat with him. There was a crowd gathered, and there was this woman that came in. Everyone knew that she was a sinner, knew what she'd been up to, knew what she was, where she'd been, everything about her, but she shamelessly Came in before the Savior broke that alabaster box, anointed his be with all, kissed this be, wiped his feet off with her hair. And what did he say? He said, Thy faith has saved you. Amen. She knew where to go. Yeah. Oh, she had compassion on her. Amen. She came to him in humility, knowing what those men would say. And for all we know, she'd been with some of those men that was in there with. Him. For all we know. But she knew what would be said. But she came in there because she knew that's where she could find compassion. She knew that's where she could find mercy. Folks, this Egyptian had no clue if he was ever going to find it. He had no clue if anyone was ever going to find him. That's the wonderful thing about God. I don't have to worry about whether he found or whether I found him or not. He found me. Amen. He found me because I wasn't searching. He found me because I wasn't looking. And folks, he didn't expect me to look. The very Word of God says, there are none that seeketh after God. He knew I wouldn't be looking. He knew you wouldn't be looking for. Hey, we might spend 20 years in church before we ever got saved. That did not mean that we were necessarily searching for God. The only people that really seek God, really search for God, are those that already know Him. The only way it's possible, because the lost folks, the lost world, they can't. This Egyptian had no clue if he'd ever be found, but God sent a man his way. God sent a band of men his way. I believe the scripture here says it was David and 600 men, if I'm not horribly mistaken. Sent 600 people that way. And I said they could have done any number of things to this man, but they showed compassion, just like my God does. Hey, it can be the most wicked sinner in, in our eyes, in human eyes. It can be the, the one that performs the grossest of sins. And my God will say, that's what i died for. My God will say, this is the one that I've come to seek and save. My God will say, this is the sin that my blood is able to wash away. And the church world will look at Him and say, God can do nothing for you. And God's up in the heavens say, don't you dare say that without me. Don't you dare say to sin in vain. he is able to save to cleanse and to make whole the worst of sinners Amen. the worst of sinners folks i think god's done with me this morning but whenever you're reading this account again in the future we are a wonderful picture of this egyptian oh, yeah.